how much of what we experience on a day-to-day basis is reality? Or is our reality actually propaganda? The world in which we live, my friends, is like a big Hollywood stage. It reminds me of The Truman Show, the 1998 American psychological comedy drama which starred Jim Carrey as Truman Burbank. Truman was a guy who grew up living an ordinary life, and unbeknownst to him, his life was taking place on a large set populated by actors for a television show about him. Eventually, he discovers the truth and decides to escape. I'm not going to tell you any more about the show, but the bottom line is the world in which we live today, how much of it is real? Or how about this? How much of the reality is propaganda? Much of what we're experiencing today is the Truman Show. It's not real, particularly when it comes to current events and pop culture, and in particular, politics. It's all as if we're living in a Hollywood production. And I will explain, and I'm glad you're with me, on this special edition of Hidden Headlines. Hidden Headlines, Faith, Family, Freedom. I'm Brian Sussman. Thanks for joining me, friends. More on me at briansussman.com. I've been taking a deep dive lately into the world of propaganda. I'm fascinated by the topic, especially these days, because like you, I'm looking at current events. I'm looking at pop culture. I'm looking at the world in which we live, and I'm, I'm scratching my head saying, my gosh, is this real or is this a dream? I can't believe the things people are falling for. And it's everything from the COVID pandemic and the wearing of the masks to what's happening in the world of politics and Trump inciting a riot at the Capitol on January 6th and climate change having a resurgence. You know, I wrote two books on the climate change topic. One in 2010, it was called Climategate, A veteran meteorologist exposes the global warming scam. That became an Amazon top 10, not just in the the science category. Overall, Amazon top 10 book for a month. Never made the New York Times uh, bestseller list, which is outlandish. It's as if my book, Climategate, never existed. But Amazon top 10 for a month. 2012, I released Eco-Tyranny how the left's green agenda will dismantle America. And after that, I thought we won the war because in those books, I presented facts. I presented facts, not facts that I conjured up myself. These were facts primarily from government research, proving that there was no climate crisis. Well, now with Joe Biden and Kamala Harris back in the White, or in the White House, um, suddenly we have a climate crisis. Suddenly the earth, uh, the earth is melting. Suddenly the seas are rising. Suddenly there are more hurricanes than ever. Suddenly there are more tr- tornadoes than ever. And, and none of that's true. But what's happening in this particular case? Well, I'll, I'll tell you what's happening. We have a situation right now where propagandists are working overtime 
to sell people loads of garbage and they're buying it. You know, if you just say something enough, if you have all wings of the media working for you, you can convince people that things are really, really bad. I'm going to read something to you from a book called Propaganda. Boy, this is, this is a great read. This is a book written in 1929. The gentleman who wrote this book, he was a public relations expert. His name was Edward Bernays. Edward Bernays, just to give you a, an example of how effective he was in public relations. This is 1928. He's contacted by one of the major cigarette companies. The problem was, uh, but in 28 cigarettes, no one knew they caused cancer. No one knew no, they, they caused a lot of terrible things. But in 28, men were smoking. Not too many women were smoking. Women of the underworld smoked, but your average day-to-day gal just wasn't smoking cigarettes. And this was a problem for the cigarette manufacturers. So they came to Mr. Bernays and his public relations firm, and they said, we've got a problem. Uh, Women aren't smoking. We're hoping you can fix that. So he did. He did. The campaigns that went forward illustrated cigarettes as, as elements of freedom for women. Women were, were beginning to just move forward in terms of women's rights, feminism, whatever you want to call it. And he branded cigarettes as torches of freedom. You want to be free? Smoke a cigarette. And though it was never specifically mentioned in ad copy, the, the visuals, the photographs etc., showed women who were smoking to be very, very slender. They had beautiful, sexy figures. And the underlying message there was, if you smoke, instead of snack, you can be slender and sexy like these women. That was 1928. Guess what? It worked. Women are still smoking to this day. And yes, there are women who also smoke instead of snack in order to keep their figures trim. That was Edward Bernays. He he worked not just for cigarette companies, but he worked for a multitude of corporations and companies. He worked for lots of politicians. He worked for lots of nonprofits. If you wanted to sell an idea, if you wanted to sell a product, you came to Edward Bernays. I'm going to read to you from chapter one of Propaganda. This This is amazing. The conscious and intelligent manipulation of the organized habits and opinions of the masses is an important element in a democratic society. Those who manipulate this unseen mechanism of society constitute an invisible government, which is the true ruling power of our country. A lot of people wonder, who's calling the shots? Is it, is it George Soros? Is it, uh, you, you name the person. <laughs> he was talking about this back in 28. Unseen characters manipulating how society moves and sways and breathes. In this particular case, the characters were the marketeers, the public relations people, working for large companies working for politicians who wanted you to believe something that wasn't necessarily true. I'll get back to the chapter. We are governed, he said, our minds molded, 
our tastes transformed, our ideas suggested, largely by men we have never heard of. This is a logical result of the way in which our democratic society is organized. Vast numbers of human beings must cooperate in this manner if they are to live together as a smoothly functioning society. Our invisible governors are, in many cases, unaware of the identity of their fellow members in the inner cabinet. They govern us by the qualities of their natural leadership, their ability to supply needed ideas, and by their key positions in the social structure. Whatever attitude one chooses towards this condition, it remains a fact that in almost every act of our daily lives, whether in the sphere of politics or business, in our social conduct or ethical thinking, we are dominated by the relatively small number of persons, a trifling faction of our 120 million, 120 million people in America at the time this was written, who understand the mental processes and the social patterns of the masses. It is they who pull the wires which control the public mind, who harness old social forces and contrive new ways to bind and guide the world. It's incredible. What Bernays was talking about in this book, Propaganda, from 1929 seems prophetic. But what do we have today? We have, well, in terms of media, just a handful of corporations that own all of the large media outlets. I'm talking about film. I'm talking about television. I'm talking about cable. And then you look at the proliferation of social media, just a handful of large enterprises controlling all of that. And of course, who's in lockstep with those operations? The operations that allow us to communicate in lockstep, perhaps even calling all the shots. The party known as the Democratic Party. I'm going to get back into Edward Bernays' book, Propaganda. He quotes H.G. Wells. H.G. Wells was a prolific science fiction writer. He died in 1946, but some of his works included The Time Machine, The Invisible Man, The War of the Worlds, The First Men in the Moon. Again, prolific writer. But listen to this. This is something he actually wrote in the New York Times. Modern means of communication, the power afforded by print, telephone, wireless, and so forth, of rapidly putting through directive, strategic, or technical concepts to a great number of cooperating centers, of getting quick replies and effective discussion, have opened up a new world of political processes. Again, he wrote this before there was ever anything called social media. <laughs> Television wasn't even very popular when he wrote this. I'll continue. Ideas and phrases can now be given an effectiveness greater than the effectiveness of any personality and stronger than any sectional interest. The common design can be documented and sustained against perversion and betrayal. It can be elaborated and developed steadily and widely without personal local and sectional understanding. In other words, 
he was saying that it's easy, easier than ever with modern media to sway the masses, to get them to believe anything. And that's what we're seeing in this particular day and age. I mean, for example, for the past couple of months, I've been attending one of the most uncompromising churches in California, and maybe, well, certainly one of the most uncompromising in the entire United States. It's Calvary Chapel in San Jose. They've been holding indoor services in violation of the pandemic health restrictions for months. They went to court recently. The the fines have totaled over a million dollars. The city and county, county of Santa Clara, city of San Jose, wanted to throw this pastor in jail. Well, he wasn't jailed, but there are still serious, serious fines that need to be paid. But the church has been ignoring a court's restraining order enforcing health restrictions. By the way, this isn't a megachurch. Uh, when this pandemic began in March, they were seeing about 300 people attend each Sunday. Now it's more like six or 700. When you go there, if you want to wear a mask, you can wear a mask. If you want to social distance, you can social distance. It's up to you. But my point is, one of the goals I believe in this pandemic is to shut down the church. Who does the left fear the most? Well, it's those damned Christians. They're stuck in the mud with their morality. They believe this, that, and the other. That's contrary to our beliefs about this, that, and the other. And they want to shut them down. And so many churches have rolled over. Oh, they've gone to Zoom. And I'm, I'm sure that some churches have had great success with Zoom. No question about that. I mean, God can use anything to bring success to his name. But there's nothing like meeting together with people of like mind, believers in faith, coming together to sing, to worship, and to hear the word of God. But here's what's just incredible about this. I can put on a mask and go to any grocery store. How how wide are the lanes in a grocery store, the aisles in a grocery store? Maybe what, six feet, eight feet? So we're wearing our mask. We have to socially distance when we're in line, but we're in the aisles. I'm, I'm, I'm bumping shoulders with people. So somehow that's okay. But once you get in line, you gotta socially distance. How about this? This is also the most cockamamie. Where it's allowed, right now here in California, they've opened things up so that restaurants, what few are left, restaurants can serve food on a to-go basis, but, but some are allowed, if they have the space, to serve food outdoors. So you're dining, but you're dining outdoors. It's bizarre. When you walk into the dining area, you have to have your mask on. But when you sit down, you can take your mask off. When you walk in, you have to socially distance with your mask on. When you sit down, you're close to all those you're eating with. No masks. (laughs) I've seen some of these same operations where they have the outdoor seating and then a sidewalk right next. People on the sidewalk, they're all wearing the masks. People two feet away dining in the outdoor dining area don't have the masks on. It's bizarre. It doesn't make any sense. No one's thinking this through, but we're told, wear the mask. We're told, socially distance. 
We're told COVID deadly, even though when you look at the statistics, it's less than 1% who die of the disease. Now, for those who die of this particular virus, I should say, it's a terrible thing. But again, I'm told that some common flus that blow through us in the winter are deadlier than what we're seeing with this coronavirus. I saw something also really interesting lately, and that was uh, a wedding invitation, a wedding invitation from somebody that I know. And I'm really happy they're getting married. I think it's going to be wonderful. However, in this wedding invitation, they said, it was a video presentation, they said, don't forget your vaccines. We want to see you. In other words, the vaccines are going to be like the next back, uh, passport. In fact, to take this further with you, I was at my dentist's office just yesterday. And my dentist, who's a, a wonderful man and a great, great practitioner of his, of, of dentistry, uh, he, he, he was all excited about the vaccine and wanted to encourage me to get the vaccine. And he said, you know, because you have a son who lives in Switzerland and it's very difficult to travel internationally, once you get the chipped vaccine, I think it'll be just like a passport. He said this with a smile on his face. Well, I couldn't see his face because it was covered with a mask. And that's another story altogether. I feel terrible for little babies who are growing up in this particular era. You know, part, part of the learning curve of communication has to do with watching someone's face, which includes their mouth, because it provides for that little baby expression. These kids are going to be retarded in this particular area. They're going to be so behind the curve in terms of communication because they can't see faces. But I digress and I continue. Seriously, there are times in which I feel as if this is a dream. 2021, a dream. Tail end of 2020, a dream. Forget it, a nightmare. I saw stories recently involving the baseball great Kurt Schilling, who's been dropped by his insurer AIG for being an outspoken Trump supporter. Then I heard from the, the former CIA director under Obama, John Brennan, who said the following on Twitter. This is bizarre. He said, every politician, government official, journalist, and talk show host who has been who has ignored and enabled Trump's lies and corruption bears responsibility for the damage he has wrought. He's talking about the January 6th insurrection, the invasion of the Capitol. He goes on to say, spare us the excuses. You failed the test of citizenship. It is now up to you to try redeem yourselves. So in other words, if you're someone like me who refuses to take responsibility for the damage wrought by Donald Trump for the quote-unquote invasion and insurrection at the Capitol January 6th, you have failed the test of citizenship. You know, people hear this on the news and they believe it. Just like with climate change. Originally, propaganda didn't have negative connotations. The negative connotations likely came about 
after World War II or maybe during World War II, there was a minister of propaganda who worked for the Third Reich. His name was Joseph Goebbels. By the way, Goebbels contends that he actually read this book, Propaganda, which gave him great insight into the psychology of propaganda. And with propaganda, you can, you can sell something or push something that's very good or very evil, as was the case in Nazi Germany. It's likely that's where it picked up its negative con- connotations, and rightly so. But let's move on to today. Again, you have just a handful of owners controlling the media, the forms of communication in this country, in this world for that matter. And now we have John Kerry. He's the climate czar for Joe Biden. And he's back to playing his climate scare cards. And he's been doing this, of course, since Joe Biden was inaugurated. Just a few weeks ago, he said this, time is very short. He was speaking to the B20 forum of countries by phone. So these are all the top 20 countries in the world. He said the world is moving much too slowly to avoid dangerous warming. And we need to do something about it right now. And of course, the Biden administration is all in to make sure that we can nip climate change in the bud. So on every TV channel, you're hearing there's a climate problem. On social media, you're hearing there's a climate problem. Day in, day out, you're told there's a climate problem. A carefully edited video is shown on television. Carefully edited video is shown on cable. Carefully edited video, pictures, etc. shown on social media. And my gosh, to the masses, we've got a climate change problem. We've got to do something about this. People are going to die. Let me give you the statistics. These are the statistics. They're from the United States government. They're from the IPCC, which is the ruling body of scientists at the United Nations. I'm not making these up. These are scientific facts I'm about to share with you. Beginning with the Industrial Revolution, about 1850. So now industry begins. You have the steam engine and you have manufacturing and the population starts to boom and urban centers come together and, and all of that. So, yes, there was more carbon dioxide being exuded into the Earth's atmosphere. And, of course, carbon dioxide, well, it's beneficial. We can't live without it. But, of course, it can be considered a pollutant as well. Interesting, isn't it? It's, it's essential for human life. You have to have carbon dioxide for life. We can't live without it. And yet somehow it's been declared a pollutant. Okay, that said. Between 1850 and 1940, the Earth's atmosphere and its temperature rose about one degree Fahrenheit. Most of that warming occurred in the 1930s. Hottest decade on record, the 1930s. To this day, in America, most of our hottest temperatures ever were recorded in the 1930s. From 1940 to 1970, the atmosphere cooled. The Earth's atmosphere cooled about 0.18 degrees. From 1970 to 1998, there was a warming of about 0.34 degrees. Since 1998, there has been a warming of approximately another 0.34 degrees. So when you do the math, that said, since the Industrial Revolution, which includes the production of countless cars, trucks, ships, 
planes, all running on fossil fuels, all exuding carbon dioxide into the atmosphere, plus billions of buildings, all heated and cooled with fossil fuels, plus all of the products consumed by trillions of humans, the planet's atmospheric temperature has only risen a bit over one degree. That's it, one degree. Since 1850, about one degree. Does that sound like a climate emergency to you? Well, let me just continue. The temperature record proves that it was two degrees warmer than today from the year 900 to 1300. And if you want to go back thousands of years still, it was even warmer. By the way, here's a bonus statistic for you. Checking the records over the past 100 years, the numbers of hurricanes and tornadoes has not increased. There's no climate emergency. But the propagandists are selling it to the people and the people believe it and the politicians have a field day with this. Of course, the quick rebuttal to everything I've talked about thus far is, you don't believe in science. (laughs) And that's how they try to get you. And of course, that line is backed up by all media sources and the politicians. And so that's the reality. You don't believe in science. Even though everything I've just shared with you is either based on science or just plain common sense. But that's the reality in which we live these days. It's like we're a cast member of the Truman Show. And we can't get out. America is truly under siege. I wrote about this recently. It was an article that was picked up by WorldNet Daily. It's on my website, briansussman.com. Just look under the blog. It's entitled America Under Siege, Post-Truth and the Cancel Culture. I talk about the Communist Manifesto. It was initiated by Karl Marx and Frederick Engels. It's now 170 years old. And of course... The Bolshevik or communist coup in Russia by Vladimir Lenin was the first successful field experiment of the manifesto. It celebrated its centenary five years ago. And, you know, it's interesting. Despite its bloody failures, the communist ideology flourishes today. People want you to believe that, hey, it's really not a bad ideology. It could actually work if we just employed it a bit differently. And since the Bolshevik Revolution, some say communism's killed 65 million, some say it's 100 million. But all of these atrocities relied on a public relations campaign, propaganda, driven by carefully crafting and disseminating the party's message in newspapers and broadsides, and then eventually on radio and in theaters and still later on television. And, and similar acts were replicated by Mao in China, the Kim Dynasty in North Korea, Pol Pot, Cambodia, the Castro Brothers in Cuba. You can go right on down the line. But in all cases, the propagation of this deadly ideology required putting forth clever rhetoric, controlling the message, and outright censorship. It sounds familiar, doesn't it? Because that's exactly what's happening today. It's a propaganda campaign 
And at the helm of this campaign is the Democrat Party. We're witnessing a full-on propaganda war aimed at Trump supporters and conservatives and right-leaning libertarians and Orthodox Jews and authentic Christians who contend government is not the solution to our problems, but the government is indeed the problem. It's not the solution, it's the problem. But just like a Madison Avenue PR team charged with propagating a for-profit brand and defending its worthiness, the Democrats rely on paid professionals. You need to know this. There are paid professionals who control their slick messaging across all media platforms from traditional to high tech. And this includes myriads of pundits who have replaced reporters and are key to repeating the regularly updated party talking points designed to demean, belittle, and disqualify their opposition. Oh yeah, the Republicans have their PR people too, but by comparison, they're feeble in their effectiveness. What few people realize is the Democrats also have PR observers who do their bidding as internet street teams. Equipped with blogs and and camera phones and Photoshop and other resources to get the party's message across on a host of platforms. You see, it's not reality. It's not reality. They employ well-trained actors and activists to show up at the protest to strike a pose and make their enemies appear angry and destructive and hateful. And it all goes out over the news. So... Let's go back to January 6th. What was happening January 6th? January 6th, the the intrusion into the Capitol. And it disgusts me to see even so-called conservative media getting this one wrong. The intrusion at the Capitol took place 1.6 miles from where Donald Trump was speaking. 1.6 miles away. It began some 10 to 15 minutes before he had finished speaking. These were activists. When you see the photos of people scaling the walls of the Capitol, that's that's a two-story wall. People going straight up. Now, do you think someone who just came to... Now, put your head on straight for just a moment. Think this through with me, and I know you will. Do you really think that someone coming to the Trump rally from, let's just say, North Dakota, let's just say Mississippi, let's just say Florida, how about Nevada or California? Do you think someone coming all the way across country to listen to Trump speak was prepared to scale a wall? That requires some great expertise. And oh my goodness, they were blacked clad people scaling the wall. You see, there's an organization called the Ruckus Society. The Ruckus Society. They're online, ruckus.org. You can look them up for yourself. The Ruckus Society. They train people for this kind of stuff. They train activists on how to use paramilitary tactics. They train activists on how to whip up a crowd. And indeed, that's what happened. There were activists on the ground posing as Trump supporters. 
And for the authentic Trump supporters who were there, they whipped them up into a frenzy. And they did crash the gate. And they did enter the Capitol building. But can I tell you something? For the vast majority of the people who entered the Capitol, I've seen the interviews. Folks were there. Once they finally walked the one and a half miles to the Capitol from the Trump rally after Trump was speaking, they thought, wow, cool. The Capitol's open. Let's go in. I would have done the same thing if I was there. I would have gone in. That was all a sham. It was all something that was created by the Democrats that they would be able to use against Donald Trump. These people are forward thinking. They're playing to keeps. They're playing for keeps. They've read Sun Tzu's Art of War. They've read this book, Propaganda. They're in it to win it. And what was their goal for all of this? They so fear Donald Trump that they want to make sure he can't run again. So they would use this insurrection against him to impeach him and thus disqualify him from ever running again. Going a little bit long in this edition of Hidden Headlines, but I know you'll stick around. At least I hope you'll stick around. I wrote an article at WorldNet Daily that was published just today. I hope you'll check it out at worldnetdaily.com under their commentary section. It's also up at my website, but I mentioned how last Sunday, like most people, I was, or like many Americans, millions of Americans, I was watching Tom Brady convincingly cruise to another Super Bowl win. But the game to the network wasn't about the Super Bowl. It was about propaganda. Because right off the bat, the TV announcers who were supposed to be there to give us a play-by-play were talking about the National Football League and its players and what they've accomplished to battle racial inequities. And the message was clear. I mean, America is a racist nation. Playing field must be reconstructed. It's interesting because the announcers and their script writers avoided the fact that between the goalposts, Racial inequities are zero. I mean, the mantra there is all about fair competition. Just win, baby. We don't care what color you are. But then there was another blatant message. It was in the game's second quarter because on cue, all of these COVID-masked fans in the stands stood up and held signs toward the camera, all pre-produced signs declaring, it takes all of us. Takes all of us. And the TV talkers then noted that 7,500 vaccinated frontline workers were invited to the NFL game. So this was another clear message. If you, too, get your vaccination, you're going to be able to safely attend big events like the Super Bowl. And then there were the commercials, the ads, the spots, as we like to call them in the biz. Well, according to all the critics, the best spot was the one produced by the NFL. It had to do with race was called as one get it we need to come together as one and it had all these symbols of social justice including selectively edited footage from the protest this past summer you know all those riots all of the violence that took place during those protests much of that was construed carried out by paid actors really interesting if you went to any of those protests you would have noticed this kind of weird They were all occurring within a one or two block radius at most. Walk away from that one or two block radius and you were perfectly safe. 
It was like a Hollywood set. Cameras rolling, lights, lights, really, camera, action, with paid professionals. But of course, all of that was scrubbed by the NFL and their ad as one. But they had posters, no justice, no peace, BLM, a hat proclaiming end racism, T-shirts worn by peaceful protest protesters stating, we won't be silent. And the takeaway? Well, if we all stand together in the name of social justice, we will create a better future. A better future. It all, it all sounds so heavenly, doesn't it? <laughs> Even those on the left know the real goal here. Social justice isn't about equality. It's about vengeance. It's about equity. It's about getting back on a multitude of platforms. So my friends, in the days ahead, what I suggest is the best remedy for counteracting corporate propaganda. Employ a sound mind. Step away from the noise. Step away from the social media. Be careful what you watch on the tube or otherwise. Be careful what you allow in and stand firm on a foundation consisting of eternal truth. And I leave you with this. The Apostle Paul, 2 Timothy 4, 7. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Hidden Headlines. Faith, Family, Freedom. Episode 80. Thank you for joining me, my friends. For more on me, just go to briansussman.com.